0: Thanks for listening to Marketing B2B Tech, the podcast from Napier, where you can find out what really works in B2B marketing today. Welcome to the latest episode of Marketing B2B Technology, the podcast from Napier. Today, I'm joined by Cassandra Jowett, who's a Senior Director of Marketing at Path Factory. Welcome to the podcast, Cassandra.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us. You've been at Path Factory quite a while, but I'm interested to know how you know you ended up there in your career. I'm always interested to hear how people end up at uh, marketing technology companies. So, tell me, you know, how how did you end up uh, at Path Factory?
1: Sure. It probably started when I was in university. I went to journalism school and thought I was going to be, you know, a foreign correspondent, changing the world with my reporting. Uh, but unfortunately, graduated into recession in 2009 and just kind of fell into working for technology companies, startups here in Toronto, Canada. And, you know, the the most transferable skill that I had was the ability to write and create content and publish things online. And I didn't realize it at the time, but what I was doing was called content marketing. And, um, you know, I worked for a small startup here and basically built the business doing that. And after a few years of that, I started to you know become aware of the concept of content marketing and that it was a really strategic lever that businesses can use to uh, attract customers, uh, retain customers. And so once I started learning about that, um, I fell into uh, you know just learning more about it and getting more involved in that community. And I ended up getting recruited to a company called Influitive, which is an advocate marketing software company. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks here in Toronto uh, who are from the original sort of Eloqua team. This is where Eloqua was founded. And so some of those folks were now working at Influitive, and I was able to join that team very early on and be one of the first marketers there. And content marketing was a critical sort of part of building that company, trying to create this new category in marketing um, at the time back in 2013. And so um, I sort of got my start in MarTech there, spent four years there, and you know met a whole slew of other amazing marketers. Uh, while I was there and uh, one of them was Elle Wolf who was also a former Eloqua alumni and uh, she was working at a company then called Lookbook HQ which was what we were called here at Path Factory before we rebranded in 2018 and um, you know asked me if I wanted to join the company. I saw the product and as a content marketer I was so excited about what it already did but definitely about where it was heading, what the vision was. Um, I felt like it was really solving a lot of problems that I'd personally had as a content marketer at a software company. And so I was excited to sort of be part of marketing that and helping marketers um, you know, change the way that they, they bring their content to market, measure their content marketing, and you know, try to have an impact on the business using content, which is basically how all B2B marketing is done today.
0: Awesome. And it's interesting. You know, I think uh, one of the best things about Eloqua is actually probably the companies that spun out from the people who work there, mm-hmm. um, you know, almost rather than the actual product itself.
1: Yeah, you don't have to look too far to find former Eloquins here in the, the marketing community in Toronto. They're just sort of sprinkled out everywhere, different geno- generations of them. And so you're just sort of always stumbling across them. And it's a very small world, especially here. But I know, you know, they have they've had now have offices all over the world and part of Oracle. So it's just a huge community that is, is really interesting to be a part of.
0: Amazing. That's cool. So. I I mean, you said Pathfactory solved a lot of the problems you were facing as a content marketer. I mean, can you just explain Mm -hmm. what Pathfactory does?
1: Certainly. So, uh, to put it really simply, we are a B2B intelligent content platform that helps companies connect content to their customers, um, create experiences, and use those to grow revenue. And, you know, the way I think about it is that the intelligent content side of things, if you put that in air quotes, kind of allows you to do three things outside of, you know, just deliver content, which is sort of the most obvious piece. But the things that are happening under the surface is you can understand your company's content library. So for example, what content types and topics do you have? How many of your assets are complete or incomplete? How many are actually receiving traffic today versus not? Are you utilizing your, your, the entire library of content that your company has invested in? Those are really important questions that you might need to answer as a marketing team. Um, you can also understand how your audience is engaging with that content. Um, in my opinion, that's you know the most important piece. Content is great, but if no one's engaging with it, then it can't possibly have an impact. So um, can you figure out uh, maybe that eBooks are generating more engagement than blog posts or that case studies are driving form conversions better than videos um, or that content about topic X has a higher return visitor rate compared with topic Y or that one is trending within one industry, but not another. Like there are lots of interesting insights that you can derive when you're looking at that engagement. And then the third piece is, you know, of course, attributing business outcomes to that content and to that engagement, which is something that so many content marketers in particular struggle with because they're often sort of divorced from the demand side. I think it's getting better, but um, sometimes they're a bit siloed more as like a service team. And so, you know, together, the entire marketing team can come together and say, okay, we're looking at this engagement, we're looking at this content, we're seeing that, you know, opportunities in our pipeline where more than three visitors engage with topic X for more than 10 minutes each have an 80% close rate you can kind of like bring together the CRM data the content engagement data and you know pull together some insights for your team to make sure that you're creating those optimal content journeys of you know content asset ABCD um, or because a visitor spent more than four minutes with a certain content asset he's more likely to be closed one like you can start to develop, some of those insights and maybe even some predictions about, you know, what that engagement means for your business and um, how how the content will impact your business overall. Um, you know, some of that stuff is not 100% in our product today, but it's what we're working towards. Um, and we've done some really interesting early pilots with some of our customers on these things, and it's the the kind of data that they're most excited about.
0: Amazing. I mean. Um, I think this is a problem that a lot of people are trying to solve is is making sure that, you know, content gets used and determining which content's the best. Uh, you know, I, I think even Eloqua would say that they they try and do a lot of this. So how would you differentiate PathFactory from something like a marketing automation platform?
1: Sure, yeah. So, I mean, PathFactory isn't sending emails. It's really the destination for any click versus um, the, the mode of getting, like actually delivering the call to action. That's that's the biggest differentiator. And, you know, there, we're using machine learning to analyze your entire content library to figure out what is there and understanding, you know, how much content you have, what it's about um, building some models around that so that it can actually power recommendations on the other side when people are actually experiencing it. And then bringing all those different um, types of data together between you know, things like your content repository, maybe your customer data platform, your marketing automation platform, your ABM platform, and then all the different channels that you might use. So PathFactory kind of like sits in between um, those two sides of your, of your marketing organization, um, you know, to be that content intelligence layer, uh, giving you insights and also activating the content if you want to. But some people are also just using the content insights and taking care of the activation themselves.
0: Interesting. I I love the the term content intelligence. I mean, do you you want to just unpack that a bit and explain what you mean by content intelligence?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think most people today, most marketers today are measuring the channel performance of their content and they don't necessarily fully understand, um, you know, like the full picture of what's going on. So, um, you know, I talked a little bit about know understanding what's actually inside of your content library so that you can understand your coverage. Um, today many marketers are doing manual content audits and trying to make some assumptions about where there are gaps. You know, I I have always done spreadsheet audits where I kind of have, you know, maybe different personas and different stages of the funnel and I try to slot in all the different content assets in there, but it becomes unreasonable at a certain point to do that manually because as marketers, we're just creating so much content, and especially at the enterprise level, you might have thousands or even tens of thousands of website pages and content assets, PDFs, videos, all kinds of stuff that you wanna understand. And so you definitely need a machine to help you do that. Um, so that's part of it is you know, really understanding what content you have, bringing all of that, like basically turning your content assets into data that then you can understand as marketers to figure out what you have. And then of course, the actual engagement. And it, this is omnichannel engagement. You're not measuring like how ads are performing necessarily or how emails are performing. You're looking at uh, the, you know, the individual visitor or the individual account, or maybe the overall visitor segment. If you're doing ABM, you might have um, a, a number of accounts within that segment. How are they engaging with the content no matter where you're putting it? Um, so it's sort of agnostic of the channel. Um, and the experience that you're creating may also be agnostic to the channel because know people are going to be engaging with your content all over the place so um, you know it's kind of using the data the intelligence about the content as well as the engagement uh, the data that, that sort of gets thrown off from there um, and bringing in data from third-party sources as well to, to sort of like fuse it all together and make really smart recommendations about what people can can see next so it's it's a little bit complex but I think once you think about you know fusing all of those different things and, and understanding that all of those different interactions and assets can be turned into data uh, with the right technology, then it starts to make sense.
0: So I, I mean, it kind of sounds like path is taking data, which could be, you know, pages people have visited or, you know, perhaps IP address or something for for ABM and um, using that to make the magic recommendation of the right piece of content that's going to have, you know, the most impact. Um, is, is that a good understanding of how it works?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say it's less about uh, their IP address. And it's more about, um, you know, what have they engaged with in the past? What have people at their account engaged with in the past? We're not necessarily saying like, okay, IP address, um, number, number, whatever, um, is this account. And so we are going to show them that although marketers can automate that, they can sort of set up those kinds of, you know, responses in PathFactory. factory. But what's more common is, you know, someone lands, and uh, if it detects uh, we have an integration with six Sense right out of the box, or people might use demand base or something as well. Um, you know, if, if we're detecting they're from an account, then maybe we want to show them things that other folks at their account have looked at, because they all need to consume, you know, similar information in order to form a buying decision, because we know, especially on in the enterprise side, buying committees can be absolutely huge. And so getting them all on the same page is important. We might show them what's trending at their account, we might show them what people like them have looked at, but it's, it's, you know, mostly based on their own engagement. If they haven't engaged with anything yet, then, you know, the recommendations might not be as tuned into them specifically, but as soon as they engage with even a single asset, it starts to form the recommendations and take them down a journey that's more personalized for them. And, you know, it's not just about like, did they engage with an asset, Um, yes or no, it's also about the quality of their engagement. So, you know, if, if they only spent a second on something and then moved on to something else, like that says something. If they spent 10 minutes with it though, uh, you know, that sort of says, okay, they're really interested in this topic, they they should probably see more information on this, or, you know, see the next step in the journey. Um, and, and you know, the intelligence that you can get from that as marketers, the insights you can derive from that data is really interesting as well.
0: Interesting. And can you just talk about how PathFactory makes the recommendation, what it, it looks like when PathFactory is working on a website?
1: Sure. So it, it depends, um, you know, the out of the box, uh, visualization of those recommendations can look like, you know, similar to if you're visiting any blog and they have, you know, check out these related blog posts at the bottom of the post, you can you can insert those types of, of widgets into the website and it just sort of populates those kinds of tiles or lists that you should see next, but it's powered by that content intelligence. There's also, um, you know, you can insert them across different web pages, uh, anywhere in the page, you can um, have something called guide, which is basically just like a tooltip pop out that follows you around the website and shows you what you should see next. Or you can, the marketer can configure other things to show like, you know, what's trending overall, what's trending at your account, what's trending in your industry, so that people might see things that are more relevant to them. And increasingly, enterprise marketers want to totally customize that and just use our API to create their own visualizations. So. Um, you know, for especially the enterprise companies that, you know, really want full control over how it looks and feels. And I think that this is the direction that all marketers are probably going to go in soon. They don't want a widget. They just want something that looks completely baked into their website. And so that's definitely feedback that like I and other customers of ours have given our product team over time that, okay, we can't just like, we're never going to come up with the perfect widget that appeals to all marketers. So we just need to give them the power to insert that into their website, however they want and make it look however they like.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, people were very excited about personalization a few years ago and now it feels like uh, almost the the best practice is to completely hide the fact the website's personalized and, uh, you know, you just get the content you want and don't quite understand that you're seeing something different to everybody else.
1: Exactly, yeah. I think for so many years now, it's been, you know, hi, first name or hello, company. Like a lot of the website personalization that you see on B2B websites today is still that just like, okay, we're going to pop up the account name and maybe the content below it will be personalized, but maybe not. Um, it's kind of unclear, and we hope that people will just be impressed by seeing their own company name there. Um, and I just think that people are not impressed by that; they're impressed by, um, you know, actually being helped and getting the right content at the right time to help them, you know, accelerate their buying decision. And so, if you're not doing that, um, you know, showing them their own company name just doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things.
0: Definitely. You talked earlier about needing um, a certain volume of data to be able to personalize to individuals. I mean, how much data does PathFactory need before it starts to become effective?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, the, the cool thing is, is that as soon as you put your content into PathFactory, it already has a lot of data about the content. And so that's really the most important part. And so, you know, it could take a couple hours for, for PathFactory to um, you know, ingest everything on your website and analyze it and that kind of stuff. So you know that that initial crawling can take a little while. Um, but you know really not it's not like it's going to take weeks or anything. Um, and basically, as soon as people start engaging with it, um it makes decisions based on you know how it understands the different topics um, and content types and uh, the relationship between different content assets. and, so you really don't need to have a certain number of visitors necessarily. Like as soon as one person lands on the website, it'll start personalizing it for them. Um, and, you know, really our overall, um, you know, overall data just gets better the more people use it overall. Um, but like a lot of things, um, if, if, if marketers have to wait a long time for it to work, then um, that's a problem. So it, it really just starts working right away.
0: Cool. I I mean, is there like a a minimum number of visitors that that makes sense or anything like that you talk to customers about?
1: Yeah. Um, No, Uh, we use it on our website. And I would say our website does not have a a huge number of visitors each month. Like we're nowhere near the the size of our enterprise customers, for example, who might have, you know, hundreds of thousands or even millions of visits a day. Um, You know, we're more in the thousands per day and um, it, it works really well. So I, I'm not aware of any minimum number of visitors or things like that um, because my understanding is that the initial data really comes from analyzing the content and then you know the recommendations are just based on um, the engagement that, that comes after
0: that. Interesting, and I mean, is it really this simple, you don't need anything else, you could literally point PathFactory at the website and it would start working straight away or do you need to do anything to your website to make it work?
1: Um, so I think any website that has a lot of content on it is a great candidate for this type of thing. Um, and this is more of our our website side of things. A lot of our customers don't use PathFactory on the website at all. They just keep us to their their, their marketing campaigns. Um, they use the non-intelligent version of PathFactory, which allows marketers to just like arrange their content however they like. Um, you know, which is still totally useful, and marketers get a ton of value out of it. But It's not as exciting as the recommendations and the content intelligence side of things so yeah like I think some work that I've personally done on our website for example is we did not have a huge volume of content there especially outside of the blog we really had like a few product pages and a few customer story pages and that was it and so um, you know that means that you sometimes just see the same pages come up in the recommendations all the time because there just aren't that many things to recommend um, so I've slowly been building out the number of pages on our website, but, you know, I think the the customers of ours that find our website tools uh, module the most useful are the ones who have large websites, um, but it's not required necessarily. And I think most people forget how much content they actually do have on their website between blog posts and press releases and product pages. Um, and, you know, we are also working towards sort of marrying the two content pools between The content on your website and the content that lives anywhere else Um, and so that's what i'm really excited for in terms of the next step of what will show up on our website
0: and when you say about that i mean what sort of uh things will will that be will will you be pointing Mm -hmm. to people to content that's pdfs or content that's not on the website at all
1: yeah so it it could be pdfs it could be videos that aren't embedded it could be third-party content that you know is just relevant if you want to sort of show off you know, customer reviews on on review websites, or positive press, or you know, all the different things that can come. Podcasts you could ha- have podcasts <laughs> that you've recorded with folks, um, and that could show up. And so, you know, having all of those different assets in your content pool to recommend to people is hugely valuable.
0: That's that sounds very exciting. You you did say earlier some people were were not really using the um, the smart parts of uh, mm-hmm. Path Factory is is that because it's difficult to use
1: no it's just because it's newer so um our business was built on the uh what we call now campaign tools and really that's the idea that marketers can build content tracks um and they can kind of curate the journey for for their visitors on any any channel and so um there has always been a smarter version of that 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 is available to our customers that we call recommend um but it's not quite as smart as the new version for the website. And so yeah, most of our customers have just always used campaign tools. And in the last year we've come out with the website um, option with the sort of really, really smart content intelligence stuff um, and also our virtual event offering.
0: Interesting. I mean, presumably you you need to integrate with with a number of different systems. You've talked about different Mm -hmm. data sources and things. I mean, integrations, are they a big part of, of what you need to do to make the product work?
1: Definitely, yes. Um, you know, it's definitely a red flag to us if someone comes to, you know, our sales team and says, I don't have a CRM, I don't have a map, uh, I really just have my website, like you you can use it, but it's going to be more challenging, and you're not going to be able to get as much value out of things. So, you know, we always say PathFactory sits between, um, you know, all the different sort of systems of record you have, um, whatever your content repositories are, whether that's your CMS, your website, um, your DAM, your video tool. Um, there's also you know, your ABM tools that, again, six Sense comes out of the box, um, but you might add, add additional six Sense functionality. You might be a demand-based customer instead or a Terminus customer. Um, you can connect it to Salesforce um, to show salespeople content engagement data right in Salesforce. Of course, your marketing automation platform, you want to connect all those content assets to campaigns to be able to measure them, to power Smarter Nurture programs, do lead scoring based on content engagement. There's all kinds of really, really cool automation and measurement and just smarter ways of doing things that marketers are doing already when you're, when you're bringing that content engagement data into the mix. Um, and so you, you definitely need to integrate it with some things and the more sophisticated you get, the more powerful um, you know, the use of the data and the ROI and all those things can become.
0: And are they off the shelf integrations or does it require, you know, some sort of uh, engineering to get things to talk mm-hmm. to each other?
1: Um, I don't think it requires engineering. Again, I'm not, I'm not a marketing operations mm-hmm. expert. So <laughs> my understanding is that most of our customers get up and running in under a week. Like that's what G2 reviews say. Um, you know, most of our customers start twice as fast as our closest competitor, one week versus two weeks. So I think that's really, really fast to be able to Get everything up and running and, and you know unless you of course things can sometimes get bogged down in larger enterprise organizations but um you know most of most of the um, integrations just use API keys and, and you can connect everything together that way you know sometimes you need to make changes around you know how are you going to incorporate the data into your lead scoring model. You obviously have to change that lead mm-hmm. scoring model in order to do that. You might have to train your sales team on how to interpret the new data they're seeing in Salesforce that they now have access to through PathFactory for sales. Um, you might have to set up new email alerts for your BDR team to jump on to fast-moving buyers who are consuming a lot of content. Like there's lots of things that you can then set up, but the actual setup and integration process is really quite easy.
0: I think if, if anyone's talking about enterprise customers and they've they've got a A deployment onto a website in a week then it must be easy because uh, normally it takes about a month to do anything on a large enterprise website.
1: Yeah I mean of course you need to have buy-in from everyone internally and everyone should be on the (laughs) same page in advance before you um, before you go it's it's, you know if things are slow it's mostly because of herding cats not necessarily because the integration is hard.
0: (laughs) Cool cool well at least that's one headache nobody has to worry about you talk about it obviously being targeted as a b2b tool um which yeah. makes sense but are there particular industry verticals that um get the most benefit out of pathfactory or particular characteristics of of customers that get the most value
1: yeah so i think that most of our customers today are very high-tech organizations they tend to be selling Considered purchase B two B software that you know has longer buying cycles or at least um, you know goes maybe from a free trial into a more sophisticated product. You know it's it's not transactional stuff. It's not trying to be e commerce or anything like that. You know it requires usually a larger buying committee, longer buying cycles, uh, many pieces of content to get to that buying decision, um, and also you know making sure different people in the buying committee or getting the, the content and the information that's relevant um, to them specifically in their role in the organization. And of course, in order for the company, the vendor to facilitate that, marketers and salespeople and customer success managers, account managers need to have access to all of those insights on their end as well, either you know to set up the right automation or to send the right personalized email outreach or to follow up with a customer at the right moment to upsell them. You know, There's all of those different reasons why why our customers might use pathfactory to get better results from their marketing um, and so yeah there's there's a lot of different elements that go into that i mentioned the technology piece you know having a sophisticated martech stack is definitely a good indicator that someone could get value out of pathfactory because they're probably delivering content across so many channels already but if thing if some things are missing like if you're not doing abm or you're not doing you know paid social advertisement or something like that like that's fine whatever your channels are that you're using if you're an if email is your big work workhorse as a channel then that's great um, but if you're more diversified or you know you're more into partners like one of our biggest customer success stories is cisco partner marketing where they use pathfactory to deliver all their content to partners and understand um you know what they're doing so they kind of have a totally different approach where um, you know, they, most of their company revenue comes through these partners and they need to educate their partners versus the end users of, of the solutions that they're selling. So, you know, whatever that is, you can you can use PassFactory to deliver that content to the right audience. It doesn't necessarily have to be um, the end customer that's actually buying the thing.
0: That I, I mean, that sounds brilliant. It sounds like the um, the more complex the sale, and therefore the more touches you have during that that sales process, the more impact PathFactory can have.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Awesome. So, with with all these capabilities, I, I mean, does it make PathFactory an expensive tool? Is it is it something that that is limited only to biggest enterprises, or um, you know, how does the pricing work? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, So the pricing is based on, you know, which modules you buy, there's, you know, sort of a menu of different functionality that you can get. And, you know, the the marketer curated solution is going to be less expensive than the more intelligent solution. And if you only have a marketing team of three people, that's going to be a lot less expensive than an enterprise marketing team of thousands of marketers, for example. Um, So, you know, it kind of depends which things you, you add on, like a lot of software companies, you know, that that's how the pricing is built. Um, uh, the, the thing I always say is, you know, you need to have a certain level of sophistication as a marketing team in order to take advantage of Path Factory. And so, you know, we're not going to be great for or it's just not going to be possible for like um, a, a solo entrepreneur to buy us. Like we're not one of those, um, you know, free trial tools or freemium tools um, that people can just sort of like jump into because it does require Integration with all of those um, systems of record and you do need that huge volume of content and those businesses are unlikely to have that. So, you know, our smallest customers um, and and some of them have been really successful with us are, you know, around 100 employees and might only have a a handful of marketers, but they've made the right marketing investments to make PathFactory worthwhile. And then, you know, the other end of the spectrum, of course, is, you know, the Cisco's and uh, the Adobe's and the Oracle's who, know have thousands of users multiple business divisions and you know they're they're paying on that sliding scale so um you know definitely if you're using a, a marketing automation platform in a crm today then path factory would be not as much as that but in in that ballpark
0: yeah that sounds really interesting it sounds like um path factory can also really grow as an organization grows from you know maybe a hundred or a couple of hundred people up to becoming a large enterprise so uh, i think that that's uh that's fascinating Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, often what our customers do is they will buy a certain module or a bundle of modules, but not the entire platform to get started to really prove the value. They might run, you know, a year long pilot to, you know, get things up and running, get used to everything, get it integrated as much as they can into, um, you know, their email nurture programs and uh, maybe their website, and they can start to see the power of, of that content intelligence. Um, that they get both from you know the analysis of their content library, but also uh, you know just how that performs, the engagement, all that kind of stuff. And then they start to build on from there. And I think especially now that we have these really exciting sort of smarter website tools and that sort of stuff, um, people are going, wow, that's really interesting. I can create these journeys just automatically without having to think about it. Like that makes so much sense because <laughs> doing that is hard and um, it requires a lot of thinking. It requires a lot of understanding of of what content you have in order to create those journeys manually. So I think as you grow, it just makes a lot of sense to, to upgrade to that, um, to that new, smarter way of doing things.
0: Awesome. I mean, it, it feels like we've, we've barely scratched the surface of all the capabilities of uh, Path Factory, but we're, we're coming to the end of uh, our time. So, I mean, is there anything else you feel we should have covered?
1: Necessarily, I think uh, I really appreciate having the, the opportunity to talk about Path Factory today. Hopefully, people can tell that I'm really passionate about it. That's why I've been here for over four years and why I continue to be excited about what we're doing as a marketer, as I said at the top. Um, it's just so exciting to see uh, where technology is going and how, you know content in particular can, Become even more important in, you know, in, in B2B marketing and the role of the buyer's journey. I don't think we're going to see that, you know, scale back after the pandemic ends. It's just increased and accelerated faster and faster. Um, you know, we were already expecting large organizations in particular to sort of adapt and start to become more digital and move to more digital experiences, but over the last year, it's just kind of exploded as everyone frantically um, ran to figure that out, <laughs> especially if they were more reliant on salespeople or in-person trade shows and that, that sort of stuff. And so um, it's just been really interesting to see um, how quickly things can evolve based on world events, of course.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if, if somebody's excited about PathFactory or, or just feels you know, that they've got lots of questions about um, how it works, what's the best way to find out more?
1: Yeah, pathfactory.com is a great place to start. Uh, you can actually see our product in action across our website, uh, which some people find really interesting. And, you know, from there, we do have regular uh, sort of like short demos, short live demos of different aspects of our product that our demand manager does each week. And, um, of course, you can always just go on and, and get a personalized demo if you want to. There's you know, more than, more than, more than one happy salesperson who would be willing to take that call. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that's a great place to start. Just go to the website. We have a lot of great information there. And uh, I'm also happy to chat with anybody if you don't want to talk to a salesperson yet. You just want to speak marketer to marketer. Um, I think myself and anyone else in our marketing team would be happy to do that.
0: Great. And what what would be the best way to contact you through LinkedIn or?
1: Yeah, you can reach me on LinkedIn. Um, Just search for Cassandra Jowett. I should be pretty findable. Or my email address is Cassandra at pathfactory.com.
0: Nice and easy. (laughs) Well, Cassandra, it's been fascinating. I mean, I think I could have talked for hours about Pathfactory. I'd love to ask about all the details. Um, But I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing B2B Tech. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or on your favourite podcast application. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at napierb2b.com or contact me directly on LinkedIn.